0: here is a sermon that was preached by pastor ballen in one of the sunday morning services so this morning we are just going to spend a couple of minutes under this title false senses false senses you know as we live our christian life on this earth there are many things that we feel good and there are many times we, our wisdom, our intelligence tell us that there are good things and there are bad things. But mostly, if you look into our lives and in general in Christianity, we come across something what is known as false senses. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, there are a couple of things even I carry in my life you know, without knowing that that may eventually lead me to, into a false teaching or a false doctrine. So as we, take our, continue, as we continue our you know, spiritual journey on this earth, it is also important to listen and to know what are these false senses that we need to know. What is false sense? At any time, we can very easily say, false sense is nothing but truth distorted. You know the truth, and when the truth gets distorted, and when there is an aberration of the truth, that's a deviation of the truth, from what is really true, we realize that, or we feel that it is something that is wrong there. When truth is falsely magnified, as you see here, you see the truth with the magnifier, but then what you see is false. When the truth is falsely magnified, when the truth is falsely explained, when the truth is falsely, you know, described or narrated, you will eventually get a sense that is that we call it as false sense. Now, to be precise with the definition, false sense. This is what we can. De- this is how we can define it. the wrong understanding. The opinions, the ideas, and lies we carry about ourselves and about some of the spiritual truths. The wrong understandings, the opinions, the ideas, and the lies that we carry about ourselves and about the truth that I mean, the Word of God. Now, that's how we can define false sense. Now, you know, Paul was a great man of God. And as he lived on this earth, every time when he teaches, he had a great concern that people of God may easily go into the false teachings. Every time when he teaches, when he comes out with the magnificent truth, and immediately he will warn the people saying that, if you are not very careful, you know, eventually you will go into false teaching. So that's what is false teaching. False teaching is a wrong understanding, an opinion, an idea about our lives and about the truth, the spiritual truths. Now I want to turn you to, you know, to a scripture in the word of God. So to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bible, you can turn and, uh, as we get our screens, screen on uh, there. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 through 4. Here Paul is writing... To the church in he he's writing to a believer like you and me. You know, it was not written to an unbeliever, but it is written to a believer like you and me. And this morning, I want you to, you know, follow me very carefully. Because it's when we talk about false teachings, when we talk about, you know, false things, it is the work of the enemy that he will take away our mind, away from what we listen. Because he doesn't want... As to listen to that. So you need to be a little extra cautious and extra careful this morning if you really need to know this truth. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 to 4. Paul is writing here, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. That means in a little foolishness and indeed you do bear with me. Paul is saying that I'm what I'm going to talk to you, it looks like a little foolish, but I want you to bear with me as you do every time. You know, when we we strongly believe certain things are really the truth, when we strongly believe that's the way to do the work of God, that's the way to grow in God, anything that comes other than what we believe becomes foolishness to us. So there's the reason Paul is saying, it may appear to be foolish what I'm going to share with you, but just bear with me. And this morning, that's my request too. Just bear with me. Verse 2, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste, pure virgin to Christ. You know, Paul was suffering, going through all this suffering in his life, during his entire life, for only one reason. The reason was, he wanted to bring the church of God, he wanted to bring the church of God into the presence of God, and he wants to present the church as a bride, pure bride to the bridegroom. You know, why do we do church today? why we say that we need to meet every sunday in the church the only reason is god expects us you know to go and meet our lord jesus christ as a pure virgin who is a virgin the virgin is the one who is not defiled by the world church is the one which is not defiled by the world you know that's where we need to draw the separation between church and the world the world and the church they are not one and the same and here Paul is saying that I'm with a godly jealousy because I already committed I already engaged the church to my to my father to my son Jesus to the son Jesus Christ you are already engaged it, you cannot really turn to some other man because you are already engaged to Jesus Christ and he is with a jealousy godly jealousy now verse 3 says but I fear this is my fear let's sh- somehow As the serpent deceived you by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity or purity that is in Christ. So here Paul is saying that, I'm so afraid because the serpent who deceived, who corrupted you by by his craftiness, cunningness, the same serpent may deceive you, From the simplicity, the purity that we find in Jesus Christ. You know, for your knowledge, you need to know that Christ is not preached in all around the world in the purest form. No. Christ is preached in many different ways. Today, people struggle to understand who is the real Christ. Who is the Christ the Word of God is talking about? Because Christ is represented in many different ways. They are not really true. Now, Paul's worry is that, you know, I'm so afraid that you may get corrupted From the purity that we find in Christ Jesus. And this is what he says. Just listen to this verse 4. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have preached, not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. That means, what Paul is saying is, There are possibilities that another Christ is preached. As I said today, all around the world, in many different churches, there is a different Christ people preach about. If you receive a different spirit which you do not have, which you have not received. You know, there are different spirits. You know, for your benefit this morning, I'm here to tell you, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can can be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit can very well behave like a Holy Spirit. But that's not a Holy Spirit. That's a demonic spirit. He's a deceiver. It's a spirit of Antichrist. He's a deceiver. Deceiver functions. The word "deception that means it appears to be right. Everything appears to be right, but it is not right. That's what the deception means. So when the deceiver comes, he put up the same. You know, appearance like Lord Jesus Christ, like Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues. They see visions. They see many different things. All the nine gifts may operate. But not Holy Spirit. The spirit of Antichrist. So this morning, I'm here to tell you that wherever you go, when people get filled with the Holy Spirit, just do not believe that. It's not from, that's what Paul is writing here. If you receive a different spirit, that means people can receive a different spirit. If you receive a different spirit, which you have not received. You know, that's another reason we need church. When we go out, we are attacked by different other spirits. But when we come together as a church, those spirits will go away. you are find unique in the presence of God. That's why prayer is important. That's why getting together and praying in spirit is important. That's why church fellowship is important. We can do ministry in different ways, many different ways in many different places. But if we don't come together, we don't know what spirit is operating in each one. And Paul is worried that there may be a different spirit in your life. And he talks about a different gospel. A different gospel. Christ is not in the center of the gospel. It is something else. It is something else. It may be a prosperity. If you accept Jesus Christ, you will be blessed. Money will come. You send $100, you will get $1,000. You know, those kind of teachings and doctrines where Christ is not at the center. The pure gospel, always you see Christ at the center. Now Paul is worried and he says that you may put up well with it. That means when somebody comes and preaches that, you all clap hands and you say hallelujah because, but you don't know what spirit they operate with. What spirit they operate with. You know that's one, that's, that's one reason why I don't really encourage people Operating in the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I say that, you need to operate in the gift of the Holy Spirit as long as you are right there in the center. But then if you are functioning with a different spirit, you know, when I say different spirit, it may not be completely evil spirit occupying us, but it may be an aberration. It may be just a deviation from what is right because we are talking about deception. We are not talking about God and the devil. We are not talking about good and evil. We are talking about something in between. That is what is deception. That's the reason God has given to a child of God a spirit of discernment. If you have that spirit of discernment, you know with what spirit they operate. We need to have all the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church functioning, operating in every one of our lives. But as long as we are found in the right, in the middle, the right spirit, then it is good. Because when we operate in that way, Christ is magnified. Not anybody else. No human. You know, that's the reason we don't really encourage. You all go to the crusade that is happening. You all go to the, you know, something that is show that is happening. That's, that's, there are people getting healed. That's fine. People may get healed, but Holy Spirit may or may not be there. Demons may you know, tremble and scream and run, but Holy Spirit not necessary that it should be done by the Holy Spirit. There are other spirits in this world, but when we are right with God, when we are right with the fellowship, when we are standing in the middle of the church, you know, God can use us because nothing else can enter here because we are together. You know, that's the reason we say that we need to be together. We can function separately. But when Sunday morning comes, just somehow come and attach yourself in the mainstream, in the flow of the, in the word of God, in the flow of the Holy Spirit. When we all stand here and when somebody leads you in worship, I believe that that's the time you can get get connected with God, the right spirit, the right gospel, the right Jesus who is preached. And this morning we are talking about false senses that can corrupt us from what we know or what we have gone through until this point of time. Today morning I just want to you know, put five different false senses for our benefit. False senses that deceive you and me. Number one false sense, false sense of security. When I say that it is you and me, I refer to everybody. It's not just you here who are here, not you who are listening, but it is everybody in general Christianity. False sense of security Number 2, false sense of contentment Number 3, false sense of control That we are talking about worry False sense of accomplishment False sense of uselessness Can you repeat that after me? Number 1, false sense of security False sense of contentment Worry, the false sense of control False sense of accomplishment false sense of uselessness okay again we'll take it a little further what is really the false sense why it is important one reads two scriptures proverb 14 12 proverb fourteen twelve says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death there is a way that seems right to a man you know when you follow god there are many things, different things appear right to you but not necessarily all of them need to be right. What is right is what the scripture says. When we interpret the scripture in the right way, that's what is right. So there is a way that seems to be right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Scripture warns us. Proverbs 5, 11 to 13. Here scripture says, and you mourn at last. At the end of the day, the end of your age, when you are about to leave this earth, When your flesh and your bone are consumed, that means you become old. Verse 12. And say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. You know, scripture says, when somebody is teaching the word of God, when the word of God is speaking to you, it is just to you. When I prepare these messages, I assume that these messages are for me. Before I think that these messages are for you, I understand, I know these messages are for me first. If I don't take that message within me, whatever I speak, it's a waste. That's what here scripture says. How I have hated instruction at the end of the life. Have you seen people crying out saying that I wasted all my life. I wasted all my life. And say how I have hated instruction and how I have despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. You know, that's the reason false sense. Talking about false sense is important. Number one's false sense, false sense of security. False sense of security. You know, we see that very well in Christianity today. They believe that religion says, you know, they think that once you become a Christian, you can go to, go where, go to, go to, all of you, go to, heaven. Once you become a Christian, you can all go to heaven. You know, that's the belief. We are talking about false sense of security. Salvation is not found in religion as we know. But salvation is found in Christ. Salvation is found in the person, Christ. Christ. Salvation is not found in religion. People have a false sense of security saying that if I get into Christianity, I can go to heaven. There are many people today we come across, they say that I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I am saved. But they are saved, but they are not born again. They are saved, but they never repented for their sins. You know, salvation becomes so easy today. You need to just raise your hands and accept Lord Jesus Christ. Do you find that in the Bible anywhere? Yes? No? Yes? Do you find that somebody saying that raise your hands and accept Jesus Christ? Can you? Why don't you speak? Yes? No, right? We don't find that in the Bible. Nowhere it says. But today people believe that if I raise my hands and give my life to Jesus, I am saved. I can go to heaven. False sense of security scripture says very clearly first we need to repent you need to turn 180 degrees away from your life then only salvation comes in your life you need to be born again you cannot continue to serve Christ with the old habits no it won't work it'll appear to be working but then it won't work it won't work people may not know you but God knows you right so false sense of security There's another teaching. You know, it's very, very famous today. Once you get saved, you are saved for ever. Once you get saved, you are saved for ever. In one meeting, if you raise your hands and tell Jesus, I belong to you, I give my life to you, then you can do whatever you want. You can go to heaven. False sense of security. You know, there are ceremonial Christians. I don't know whether you've come across. They all go to church when? During Christmas. During Christmas. Easter, during New Year, and one. All the functions and festivals and potluck and and all. They're called ceremonial Christians. Right? So they always talk about baptism. If you get baptized, you can go to Heaven right away. If you get confirmed during your confirmation, you give your life to God. And if you take communion every time, you can, go to, you, know, you can go to heaven. If you go to Sunday morning church without fail, regularly you can go to heaven. You fast and pray, then you can go to heaven. False sense of security. They are called ceremonies that we do. Ceremonies that we do. Bible doesn't say that, you know, really you need to do all these things. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, you'll go to heaven. It talks about Christ Jesus. And our relationship with Christ Jesus. And all these ceremonies and all the things that we do, they really help us to go to heaven. You know, God expects us not to hold on to one thing and say that, if you don't come to Sunday morning service, you will go to hell. There are churches, they may preach that. We don't want to talk about those things. Ceremonial Christians, they have a false sense of security. Who is Christian really? Any idea? Is there in the Bible? Anybody is called as Christians? You can turn with me to Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty-six. Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty-six. And when he heard, found him. He brought him to Antioch. Acts eleven twenty-six. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. I'm going to ask a question from the scripture now. Once I finish reading, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Who were called first as Christians? Who? Disciples were called as Christians. Just be very careful. Disciples were called Christians. Not those who believed. Today we teach wrongly. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a Christian. No. Not those who believed in Christ. They are not Christians. Not anymore. Because the word of God says, those who, the disciples, those who are the disciples, by the way, the one who follow Jesus. The one who follows Jesus, they are the disciples. The one, not, not a Christian. The one who follows Jesus, they are the disciples. And the disciples were called as Christians. You know, today the term is used to represent a religion. Bible or Jesus has nothing to do with religion. You know, at times believing is easy. Believing Jesus becomes easy. But following Jesus is difficult. Believing Jesus is free because redemption is free. Eternal life is free. But following Jesus is costly. It's expensive. How many of you have to leave your old habits? Because you want to follow Jesus. How many of us, you know, keep us away from the from enjoying from these worldly sins? It's expensive. Following Jesus is expensive. Believing becomes simple. But today, Christianity is trying to hide behind the believing nature of people. The moment they believe and they raise their hands and give their life, they become Christians. No. Those who are following Lord Jesus Christ, they are called Christians. A false sense of security. You know, children of God, you and I need to be careful not to get caught up with any of this. Jesus wants us to keep him as the center of everything. And he is the true security. God wants us to follow. Number two, false sense of contentment. False sense of contentment. Uh, Let me start from reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Luke chapter 12, 16 to 21. Listen to this. Then he spoke a parable to them. Then Jesus spoke a parable saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my bonds and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and the goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God will say to them, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We read a parable where somebody wants to, you know, the, the, the crop yielded plentifully in that year And he said I will you know, extend my territory I will store all my food And all my goods here And I will just sit relaxedly And I will say to my soul My soul just enjoy Take things easy Drink and eat and be merry And But now Jesus says If your soul is taken out of you tonight Where will that go? A false sense of contentment You know, false senses of feeling that I have everything, I know everything. You know, that's what I get from the parable of the rich fool. He thought that he has everything that is needed. You know, today when we we get into that sense, at times, saying that I know everything, I have everything. True disciple is always desiring. More about God. True disciple always wants to know more about God. True disciple always wants to come closer to God. And come want to know more about the secrets that are hidden in the word of God. You know, I believe as the children of God, the only way we can grow in Christ is according to 1 Peter 2.2. 2, as the scripture says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. That you, more, you may grow thereby. Here the Peter is referring to the word of God. Pure milk of the word is the Bible. You know, that's why meditation becomes important. That's why Bible reading becomes important. That's why reading the scripture, listening to the sermons based on Bible is very, very important. Because that's how we can grow. Have you seen a baby? I'm sure all of you. Most of you. So when you, you know, have a baby there and baby is crying for milk. And if you don't give milk, what will happen? The baby will wait for some time and keep quiet? No. It'll cry. And if you again don't give milk, it'll understand, okay, mom is busy now. I'll wait for some more time. Will it wait? No. It'll cry? Have you tried leaving your baby crying for a whole day? You don't do that, right? So, you don't do that. But if you leave the baby whole day, it'll cry. It'll continue to cry. Why? There's a great desire. What desire? To drink milk. A true disciple, true child of God. You and I need to have the great desire in the word of God to drink, to eat the word of God. If you do not have the desire, I question your salvation. It's false. We are hiding behind something. If you don't have the desire to read the word, meditate the word, you need to question your salvation, whether I am really saved. Because you become the one among the Christians, namesake Christians. They're not followers. Followers, they desire to learn the word of God. They desire to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Look at this, what Paul says. At the end of his age, he is a grown, mature doctorate in, in, in theology. And now what he says in Philippians 3, to 14. Listen to me, I'll read the scriptures for you. Philippians 3, to 14. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. He says, I count all my PhDs, all my doctorate as rubbish. There are no way comparable with the knowledge of knowing God. And he says that I will count everything as a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Verse 9, uh, Philippians chapter 3. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And he goes on and says, I will press forward no matter what it is. Well, so not that I have attained, already attained. Not that I, have, I know everything. Not that I have already attained everything. False sense of contentment. You know, I see that the false sense of contentment is coming and resting upon the believers. Resting upon the believers. The only way to come out of it is to concentrate on the word of God. That's the way we can grow in God. And verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the poet call God, to, of God in Christ Jesus. What he is saying is, I will continue to strive to learn the word of God. To learn and meditate the word of God. Because I have not known completely Christ yet in my life. You know, this is the warning I just want you to know, want to to give to the church. A false sense of contentment can rest in your life very easily. And the moment that rests in your life, you feel that Bible study is not important. Studying the word is not important. You know, you lose sense of those things. And eventually, it is leading us to deception false sense of contentment. Until we die, God wants us to learn. You know, when I you know, meet some of you and say that, why don't you just start the theology course? Sometimes we feel that it's not necessary. All the theology is waste. No, theology is not waste. There are many things I don't know. I, I study. I want to continue my I'm continuing my studies. I don't know. If I read one full page in that book, there are many things I don't know yet. I need to study. I, I believe it's, it's all with you too. The same with us until the end of the life. God wants us to study, study the word of God. Now, wherever there is an opportunity, study the word of God. We don't want to miss because Paul says, "I will desire for it. I will push forward. I will what need to be pushed behind? I will push behind. I will walk forward." Thirdly, worry is a false sense of control. All of us know this. This is easy. Now, worry is a state of mind based on fear. When we are afraid of something. We start worrying. We start worrying because we do not know about the future. Most of the time, when things happen in our lives, we do not know what is going to happen in the future. So worry is always about the future. It's not about today. You know how to manage today, but you don't know how to manage tomorrow. Because you don't know how to manage weeks, months down the line. Always worry is about the future. When we worry. There is a false sense of control comes in our lives. When we worry, we think that we are having a better control over the future. You know, that's what we think. Because when you keep, and keep sitting and worrying about something, and after worrying for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, okay, you just get up from that place. Thinking that you have a better control, but that's not true. It is a false sense of control. You know, scripture says, Jesus said, by worrying, You cannot even add one inch one cubit, one inch. You cannot add even a little to your height by worrying. Then why do we worry? It's a false sense of control. I want you to read the scripture, Matthew 6, what Jesus said. Matthew 6, verses 25 to 32. Matthew 6, 25 to 32. Do not worry. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food and the body more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to its stature? So, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you little of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things... The Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The third sense, false sense, we are talking about the false sense of control. False sense of control. You know, God wants us to learn how to keep everything at the feet of God. You know, God wants us to know by worrying we cannot do anything in our lives. What God wants us to know is, God wants us to know you, this, know you to know this morning that it is a false sense of control when we worry about future and God doesn't like that. Sometimes we say that we believe in God, I prayed for this, but then worry still It's in our head. It is not gone. It is not gone. And that's what God is talking about this morning. You know, sometimes we just lay everything at the feet of God. We give completely to God. And this morning, God is, you know, as you read the scripture, God is telling you, are you not more valuable than the birds of the air? Are you not more valuable than the lilies of the field? If it is so, God is telling us, why do you worry? Why do you worry? Worry is the false sense of control that controls our lives. Fourthly, false sense of accomplishment. You all know the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar saw a second dream in his life. When he saw the second dream, he called everybody to interpret the dream for him. And nobody could do anything but except Daniel. And Daniel came to him and Nebuchadnezzar told him the dream. And the dream is something like this. Nebuchadnezzar saw a big tree reaching up to the heavens and the tree was very green and the tree was very big, so all the, all the beasts were coming under the tree and they were finding shelter under the tree. And there were so many branches and leaves and all the birds of the air, they were coming there to have fruit of the trees. They were all enjoying but the tree trees, grown up, grown very high. And suddenly he heard a voice saying that, cut down the tree. And the tree is cut down and it is brought you know, to, the, to the ground level. The tree has fallen down. Now, no more beasts coming and no more birds of the air coming to the tree. You know, that's the kind of dream Nebuchadnezzar saw. And Daniel came there and God helped him to interpret the dream. And Daniel told him, the tree that you saw is you. God is going to bring your kingdom down and God is going to stop your kingdom. Your kingdom is not going to flourish. That's the interpretation that Daniel gave. And finally, one fine morning that was coming true. That's what we are going to read from Daniel chapter 4, verses 29 to 33. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. In fact, he was walking on the roofs of the palace. Verse 30, the king spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like an oxen. His body was wet in the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Here we see the punishment coming upon Nebuchadnezzar because in his mind there was a false sense of accomplishment. What he said? Is not this great Babylon that I have built for royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? How can I say to people, can you stop using the word my? Can you stop saying I? Can you start saying we? Can you stop start saying our? I have seen, you know, people of God, even when we come together in the church for prayer, we pray saying that, Lord, I pray to you. It's not you praying. It is all of us praying together. You know, we need to get that sense. It's very important. It's nothing about me and my. When we stop saying that, God will be honored. But the more we say, I came to this nation. I did this. I bought this. You know, I spent this. I built this. Eventually, we will become like Nebuchadnezzar. God is telling that upon the people of God, there is a false sense of accomplishment coming and resting. That's not from God. That's not from God. Nebuchadnezzar's life was in a miserable state. A false sense of accomplishment. God doesn't want us to get into that. Let's give all the glory to God. Because he alone deserves everything. Not our ability. As He was testifying. Not my goodness. Not my ability. It's all God. But then that we want to represent that by our words. So only thing I learned from here is if I stop saying my, if I stop saying me and my family, if I stop saying I did it, I think that's what is needed. That's what is needed. God will be honored. Finally, false sense of uselessness. False sense of uselessness. None of us are an exempt from this. We all feel at times that we are useless. We all feel at times we are useless. What is the use of me living on this earth? What is the use of me for my family? I'm a pain. I'm a struggle for my parents. What is the use of me? Yesterday I was just, uh, we were just listening to Joyce Mayer's testimony. I don't know whether, I mean, I really don't talk about anybody. But then this morning, I just want to, you know, bring that to you. I don't want to share what the testimony is I can't share. I want you to listen to her testimony from Google, from YouTube. You'll know how much she has gone through as a child. If any of us would not have lived there in that position, we would have committed, we would have ended our life. And that man of God, woman of God is being used today everywhere. It's because what she has gone through. As I was just listening to the testimonies, one thing I learned, not to open my mouth about anybody, about any evangelist. If you have any good thing to tell, I'll share the, say the good thing. But then if anything you don't like, just keep your mouth shut. Because we don't know what they have gone through. If I'm there in that position, I'm not here today. I want you to listen to that testimony. Just listen to her testimony. Just, uh, she has a couple of videos there about Joyce Mayer. What I, we want to sell this, we get a sense of uselessness at times. Scripture says we are a temple of God. We are church together. We are different organs in, like in our body. And I cannot say that since I'm not an ear, I don't belong to that body. Ear cannot say that since I'm not an eye, I don't belong to that body. What God is teaching through that, these scriptures is that since we are not like somebody else, you know, at times we get discouraged. I'm not able to do like some, someone else. I'm not able to preach like, I'm not able to sing like, I'm not able to play like, I'm not able to, you know, do things the way someone else is doing. At times we get, you know, we get the feeling of rejection and negligence in our life, get neglected in our lives. That's because of the false sense of uselessness. But instead, scripture says, I want to read the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15 58. Instead, this is what Paul is saying, this is what we need to do. Therefore, my dear beloved, my dear brothers, can you get it on the screen? 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. When such worry comes in your mind, when such thought comes in your mind that's saying that you are useless, stand. Firm. Do not get moved. Let nothing move you. Don't get moved. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain. You know, when we get such worry, when we get, we get a feeling that we are useless, because we feel that I'm not an eye, I'm not an ear, you know, so many things. What if God is encouraging us? Completely give yourself to the work of the Lord completely give yourself to the work of the lord when we do his work His faithful god he will reward you no matter we whether we are an eye or an ear in whatever fashion that god wants us to be in the church of god once we completely give ourselves to that faithfully little things when god gives us if you are found faithful in the little things what scripture says i will make you a leader and a, 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 a captain an authority over many things. That's what God expects in our lives. A false sense of uselessness at times comes in our lives. And this morning we talked about a couple of false things. False things that you and I follow. The false sense of security. The false sense of contentment. The false sense of control. It's worry. The false sense of accomplishment. The false sense of uselessness. Let's not give room to this. But instead... We will ask God this morning before we leave. Lord, help me to serve You, Lord, with all my ability. Shall we close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at hipf.org. God bless you.